The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. This series is called The Nightmare Before Christmas, and of course you can see that we're focusing on the dark side of Christmas. Yes, there is a dark side. And so I found some dark side quotes this week that I thought I would share with you. These are great Christmas quotes, perhaps from Darth Vader or some of his guys. So here we go. Christmas guilt, the gift that just keeps on giving. The only time of the year that we turn something wonderful into a miserable family fight. (laughs) It's the time of the year when you maintain that same fake enthusiasm for the holidays as the North Koreans did for Kim (laughs) Jong-un. That's really going low, isn't it? It's the time of the year you get homesick even when you're at home. Christmas, the time of the year we spend money we don't have on people we don't like so we don't have to see them for another year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. My worst Christmas was when I was 10 years old. I won't tell you how long ago that was, but it's been a while. 10 years old, it was the worst Christmas because it really wasn't Christmas. I got the chicken pox about, you know, a couple days, three or four days before Christmas, and I got it bad. I had it all over my body. And so on Christmas morning, my entire family was downstairs enjoying all the awe of Christmas and unripened presents, and I was laying in my bed shivering with a fever with chicken pox three days later. I sat by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself. My mom was there. It was me and my mom, and I opened up all of my gifts. Absolutely the worst Christmas ever. So since we're looking at the dark side of Christmas, I thought of some, some catchy titles I could put on today's talk, and I thought of a few of them, ended up on one. But here's one that I thought of but decided against it title for today's talk today is, I can do bad all by myself. Why do I need help from my relatives? <laughs> I like this one. This is a two-word title. Evil kin. That's pretty good, huh? Well, anyway, I'm calling this, Who is Worse, Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch? And just in case you've been hiding in a hole for the last hundred years, let me briefly just mention who I'm talking about this morning. Ebenezer Scrooge, he's the cold-hearted miser who despises Christmas. He hates Christmas. And eventually, he changes his heart. He becomes kind and loving and generous. And I, I wonder if Dickens, when he wrote this, was thinking of a particular family member of his own for Scrooge. I actually played Scrooge in the third grade. Bit of trivia. The Grinch, he hates Christmas too. He's angry, he's grumpy, he's coarse, and he has a greedy heart. 
and he despises the who's who live in Whoville because they love Christmas so much. And both of these characters are some of my favorite and I think the favorite of millions of people because they are the perfect anti-Christmas. They're the perfect opposite attitude of what a great Christmas spirit or attitude should be. They're completely perfect opposite. Because Christmas, Christmas, if you could describe it in two words, it would be all about love and generosity. Those are the two qualities that make Christmas what it is. It's just all love and generosity. And so Christmas, because Christmas is about Jesus, then it's clearly about love and generosity. In fact, you, you, you should say that not that Jesus loves, he does, but it's more accurate to say Jesus is love. Jesus is love. That's hard for us sometimes to grasp or understand. But Jesus is love. He is also generosity. Jesus is a giving God. Now, there's a big difference between loving someone and being the very essence or the embodiment of love. Huge difference in that. Jesus is the tangible, visible form of love. You want to know what love looks like? Look at Jesus. You'll see it. That's what he is. He's the embodiment of love. Now, we, we struggle with that. We struggle with knowing that Jesus loves us and feeling like he loves us because we're all too familiar with our own inability to love. You see, there are days when you're not feeling well and it's been a stressful day and you don't have a whole lot of love to give anybody. There are days when you interact with certain family members or friends or coworkers and you think to yourself, this person is impossible to love. You see, we have love in very short supply. Maybe you're just an amazing person and you can love three or four or even a half a dozen people. But eventually, your love comes to an end and you have nothing else to give. In fact, there are days or perhaps even weeks in your life where you go where you say, I, ha- I am so stressed, I have so much, I have no love to give you. I have nothing to give away. But that is absolutely not the case with Jesus. He is never stingy on love. He never runs out. There is no no thought that Jesus would give away love and then stop because he doesn't have any more to give. That never happens to Jesus. He can be extravagant and generous with love. You go to God in prayer and you ask him, God, do you love me? Do you have love for me? The answer is always, yes, I have an abundance of love. You and I, we cannot do that. Our love runs out, not with Jesus. So do you want to know what love looks like? Just look at Jesus. John knew Jesus. They were friends John walked with Jesus for his entire ministry. One of the early disciples, 
And he wrote about Jesus in 1 John 4. Listen to this. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. There it is. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loves us so much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression inside of us. The fruit of God's incredible, extravagant, generous love for all of us is great joy. Where does joy come from? How do you get joy? How do you have a joyous life? And I'm not talking about uh, an, you know, an exuberant joy or a laughter joy. The ultimate joy is the joy of tears. Have you ever experienced that kind of joy? Where you're just so overcome with this incredible feeling of joy and rejoicing that it brings you to tears. You know, a lot of people, when they, the very first time, when they realize that God chose them and he loves them, they weep, they cry, because that's the most incredible feeling of love you'll ever know in your whole life. I'll never forget the first time I realized that. I wept and I wept and I wept. I could barely get the words out. And I kept saying over and over, and I'm not sure why, God, how can you love someone like me? I just kept saying over and over, I love you, John. I love you. I love you. It causes great joy. It's, I guess you could say, the foundation of joy is God's love for us. His love for us makes us joyful. Being able to receive Jesus brings great joy. Those two things go hand in hand, and it comes from his great love for us. God's love for us is the only thing that can change the human heart. And in both of those stories, both Scrooge and Grinch, their hearts were changed because somebody loved them. It was love that changed their hearts. And it's love that changes our hearts. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans is that God's kindness leads us to repentance, not as judgment, not as discipline, not as correction. Of course, he does all of that as well because he loves us. I mean, what father wouldn't, who loves his children, wouldn't discipline them? And so God does those things. But it's his love that causes us to want to obey. It's our motivator. It's not because we're obligated to God or we feel guilty or we're pressured or any of those things. And those, are, those are more religious reasons. Why anyone would serve God for those reasons is so sad. Because our motivation is love. I love you and you love me. And I love you so much, I want to please you. You see? Yeah. 
You want to obey. It's wonderful how, you know, you start in your relationship with God and you're brand new, and it's all God loving you, loving you, loving you. But as you grow in your faith, it begins to change a little bit now. So no, it's, it's God loving you mostly, and then you love him back. And he loves you a lot, and you love him back. And then it becomes less and less and less, and it's more and more of you just obeying. It's obedience that God is looking for. If you want to avoid the nightmare this year, do this. Remember that God is love so that you can embrace the joy of Christmas. Christmas is also a generous time. Of course, everybody knows that. Everybody in the whole world knows that generosity is the time of Christmas and Santa Claus and gift giving and all of that and, and Scrooge and the Grinch both had a problem with that and greed and, and selfishness and being self-centered and wanting everything for themselves and finally that turned around and they saw that Christmas really was about being generous, not self-centered, not focused on yourself, not your needs, all your wants, but others giving. Both of these guys had the anti-Christmas heart. But God, and listen, you've got to get to this. This is so, so life-changing. God is generous. And listen, this is what makes it even better. God is generous, and he has everything. Now, it's one thing if you're generous and you have nothing. So you have a good, generous heart, but you have nothing to give. It's like having a rich uncle who loves to be generous and loves you. I would love to have an uncle like that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be great if you could be at Christmas and you'd sit down and you'd say, oh, Uncle Bill and Melinda, it's so great having you here with your 97 billion. Merry Christmas. We've got something even better. We've got a Heavenly Father who's incredibly generous, and he has everything. You see, it's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to grasp that level of generosity because, you know, we give, and there's a little bit of fear. If I give too much, will I have enough later? I can't do, I, I gotta be careful. I can't be so, so generous. I can do a little bit, but I gotta be careful about my future so I can't, go too far with that you know a little generosity and let me ask you this would you be more generous if you had an abundance okay so let's say would you be more generous if you had everything that you need or how about this would you be more generous if you had 10 billion dollars so they say pretty much that's that's so much money you could never spend it all would you be more generous if you had that? Well, I certainly hope so. If you, would, if you said no, then you're the Grinch and you don't even know it. But sure, yes, we would be more generous if we had more. That's the problem. We don't have so much and so we're not able to be generous. And it bothers us. We want to be more generous. We want to give more, but we don't have it. But you see... God has such an abundance that there is no end to what he has. 
No wonder he can be so giving, how he, he loves to give. God loves to give. That's one of his favorite things to do is to give to his people, to his children, and give beyond what they deserve. They don't deserve it. Give it anyway. Well, they're asking for this much. Give them more because he's a generous, generous God. Let me, let me see. What are you asking God for at Christmas time? You know, a lot of times people don't receive anything from God because they're simply not asking. You have not because you ask not. There's little King James for you. What are you asking God for at Christmas time? This is the season of giving. God is giving out gifts. What are you asking him for? Don't ask him for the silly things, the things that fade away and they're meaningless. Get gifts from God that are worth more than gold. Things like forgiveness. That's probably one of the greatest gifts you could ever receive especially if you're here today and you're riddled with guilt. You are ashamed inside. You are afraid to let people in your life and in your heart for fear they will find out what a bad person you are. And so forgiveness would be the greatest gift you could ever receive this year. You know the Bible says that God grants forgiveness. He grants that to us. What about healing I thank God for doctors. I have found the most wonderful doctor. When I go in to see him, we usually sit for about 45 minutes to an hour discussing theology and church issues, and he prays for me. I thank God for him. But there are some things that doctors can't heal. But God can. God can heal anything. He made you. He knows how everything works. So since he made it, he knows how to fix it. What a great gift that would be this year to receive healing from God, a healing that you've been praying for for years. God has an abundance of health, plenty to give away. How about the healing of a dysfunctional heart? Here's a great question for you. Are you ready? Do you know anybody that's dysfunctional? <laughs> yeah, we all do. If you don't, it's you. <laughs> but God can heal dysfunction. God can work in a family in a powerful way of prayer and love, causing family members to forgive each other and ask each other for forgiveness and to repent and work things out and reconcile. You know that Christmas is the one time of the year that has the most amount of reconciliation that happens just because of Christmas. How about wisdom? Well, wisdom's a powerful gift. Wisdom is worth more than gold. Wisdom is worth more than millions because with wisdom you can achieve millions. And did you know that James, also a disciple of Jesus, James said, if you want wisdom, if anybody lacks wisdom, all they have to do is go to God and ask him and he will give them an abundance of wisdom. 
more than you can use. What a great gift. What do you really need this Christmas? Will you think about it a second? What do you really need? What do you really, really need? If you could ask God today and say, Lord, or he would say, what is the one thing you want from me? What is the one thing that you want from me? And I'll give it to you. What would you ask him for? I thought about this question. Thought about it a lot. You might think, well, I would say healing. I want to be healed. Those of you who know me, you would probably think that. That would be my number one request, but it's not. Maybe a, a better salary. Or nicer things. No, no. To be the most well-known pastor in Open Bible? No. Lord, no. <laughs> to know him? And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That is all I need. What are you asking God for? What do you really, really, really need from God? Maybe you've become dry. Your faith is weak. It's empty. You need revival. You need a touch from God. You need to be refilled with the Spirit of God. Oh, that's more valuable than anything you could ever, ever receive on Christmas morning. Whatever it is that you need, here's the great part. This is the best part of all of it. Whatever it is that you need today, God has it in great His supply will never run dry. I'm rhyming these days. God is generous. And he will never run out. What are you asking God for? Are you essentially begging him for crumbs and scraps? Or are you asking him for something big? People who ask for crumbs and scraps aren't children. They're not heirs. They're not sons. They're beggars. They don't know God. They're on the outside. A son or a daughter, an heir to the throne, a prince or a princess doesn't beg for scraps. They walk boldly into the king and they ask for the kingdom. That's what we should be asking God for. God, your kingdom come in my family, in my finances, in my career. God, your kingdom come in my career, in my community, in my church. God's kingdom come 
That's what we should be asking God for. Rich uncle, eh, I've got something better. A loving father who loves me more than I'll ever know and has everything I'll ever need, and he's generous. If you want to avoid some of the nightmare of Christmas, try this. Realize that God is good and embrace the generosity of Christmas. Don't, don't give in to the circumstances that lie ahead. You know, there's probably a good chance for some of us that Christmas could be lousy. <laughs> there's, there's that chance every year in my family. <laughs> every year, that's a possibility. Don't give in to the circumstances. Don't give up. Take action. Choose that joy. Reach deep down inside and receive joy and love from Christ. Ask your Father for a generous portion this year. Lord, give me more than I could possibly handle. This just might be the best Christmas we've ever had.